Thank you, Lord. Um, turn with me to Luke chapter 12. Let's start there. So we're in an amazing hour, as I was saying in the beginning, and we need to be awake and aware of that. And so we don't want to get to December and switch off, get tired, and, and uh, you know, our bodies might be tired, but our spirits are not. Come on. We can't switch off. We have to stay turned on and awakened to what the Lord's saying and doing. And I say that with such a, like a caution in my spirit, because when we get tired, we go back to our defaults. And sometimes we go back to old things that God's done with, and He's bringing us into new things. And so it's times like this when we can really get quite religious and uh, start moving away from the life flow of Jesus in our lives. And that's why I want to encourage us to say, you stay in that intimate place with Jesus. If there's one thing that we do in life, just one thing, if you could do one thing, everything else will flow from that. Cultivate intimacy with God cultivate relationship with God. If you do that, he'll begin to teach you the things of his heart and we'll begin to flow in those things. So we're in an interesting time. We need to be awake. So I just want to read, uh, for the sake of time, I'll read from uh, Luke 12 verses 30 onwards. Just to give you context, uh, Jesus is explaining about how we shouldn't worry about what we're going to eat or clothes we're going to wear, all the needs that we have. He's saying, don't worry about those things. Your father knows that you need them. But he says this from verse 30. He says, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I've just been reading that and meditating on that. It's the father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. And in the context of sonship and the things we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, the Lord started to like speak to my heart and specifically around where my hope, my confidence and my expectation is. And I realized how quickly we settle for earthly or natural, the scraps of mankind. We, we're, we're settling for scraps when God says, I've given you my kingdom. And I started to say, Lord, what, what does that mean? You know, why am I, I'm, I'm looking for the little breakthroughs that I think are the big breakthroughs, but actually it's just so earthly and natural and, and so the, the way of this world and the kingdom far supersedes that. And it's, it's supernatural that's breaking into the natural. And so God started to say to me, why isn't your default supernatural? Why is your default the natural? Actually, we're spiritual people. We're called to be encouraged by the impossible. <laughs> yeah, come on, Connor. Good preaching. Love it. <laughs> and I, I know why you respond like that because it's like <laughs> the impossible is nice to talk about. But when the impossible is looking at you in the face, it's quite intense, right? But this is where we have to be so rooted and grounded in Him, knowing who we are. Because God created the impossible as the playground for the kingdom. He's, he's called us as sons and daughters to be so encouraged and excited about the impossible. Because our hope, our confidence, and our expectation is in another kingdom, not this one. And the way that His kingdom works, it works supernaturally with the power of the gospel. And so we need to understand that we carry power, uh, dominion, rule, and reign as sons and daughters to speak to impossibilities and to bring the reality of His kingdom realm into being. This is simple stuff, but sometimes we've got to be encouraged because we're at a time now where, look, left, right, anywhere, there's impossibilities. There's things that just seem like, how are we going to get through this? How are we going to do that? How, you know, and and we, we have to change the way that we think as sons and daughters. We cannot be a people walking around professing sonship or talking about being sons and daughters, but the reality of our hearts is actually we believe like orphans. We don't want to believe like orphans. We don't want to be a people that actually have no expectation in God because we're not entirely sure what He's like. 
No, we know what he's like. We know who he is. We have the Holy Spirit within us who's ministering to us, who's crying out, Abba, Father, on our behalf so that we stay in intimate connection with him no matter what. If we have the very spirit of Jesus in us, then our expectations, our confidence, and our hope has to shift. We need to begin to see from a different dimension from the kingdom realm. Because when we do that, we start to get excited about things that the world is terrified of. See, we are, we've become too tame as the church. So when we talk about stuff like this, it's like, whew, that, that's wild, awesome. <laughs> yeah, one day. No, today. Because the reality is you've got the spirit of Jesus inside of you. This is what he does. I want to encourage you. His presence transforms your life. We don't want to be a people that come to a room and enjoy the environment of his presence, but we didn't actually taste it. We don't want to be a group of people that come into a room and experience the anointing. God's doing something in the room. Whoa, feels amazing. Goosebumps on my skin. I love that. I'm encouraged. Nice word. Great. But I haven't tasted of the Spirit of God. I haven't been filled. I haven't actually received what He's doing in the room. Because when I do, you will be transformed and changed. Something awakens. We were singing today, awaken love. What does it mean if God awakens His love in your heart? There's a fire. The love of God is like an all-consuming fire. He awakens that in your heart. You will never be the same again. It is impossible. And I love um, Eric Gilmore. He says this really powerful thing. He says, if the public touch doesn't turn into a private kiss, it'll last just a moment. And we've got so many Christians that come into meetings and gatherings for a public touch where the, the presence of God, the anointing of God might touch you and you receive a touch. You have an encounter. Wow, God's real. He's amazing. I'm so excited. And you, you leave and you don't know what to do with that. And two days later, you're just as dry as you felt before and you're wondering what happened. It's because you haven't learned how to cultivate intimacy with the Lord, how to allow that public touch that God did or, or gave you into that private kiss in the secret place where suddenly it becomes intimate, it becomes personal. It becomes something that's now life and oxygen to you. This is so important if we're going to live kingdom lives because I, I know for myself, if I'm, if I'm not intentionally cultivating relationship and intimacy with the Lord, which is not a heavy thing. It's the greatest joy of your life, actually. But if I'm not doing that, then I very quickly take my eyes off of his kingdom and start looking at the kingdom of this world. And when I do that, you start to feel shaken. And so we're in a time now where we have a choice and a decision as the church. We need to be choosing Jesus. And, and we would all agree with that. But what it means to choose him is it means we choose to look at him, to listen to what he's saying and to do what he's doing. And so we can't be a people looking around at what's happening at this time with all the threats of a second wave and a this and a that and all the stuff. America's going to destroy the world and whatever. It's just, it's garbage. And the reality is we can't be looking at those things that are actually causing us to settle for this natural realm when the reality is God's called us to bring the kingdom. We need to be seeing opportunities for his kingdom. We need to be looking at this and saying, this is the perfect moment for the church to arise and shine. But you know what that means? It doesn't mean a group of leaders that start to do some extraordinary things and you get to say, I'm a part of that. The kingdom of God doesn't look like, oh, <laughs> I'm laughing because Anthony knows, man. <laughs> We've had these conversations. Um, the kingdom of God, it's not about a whole bunch of people coming and attending a church where you respect a leader or a specific group of people that you feel are living the Christian life, and then you get to call, because you're a part of the community, you're calling that as if it's yours. 
See, our job as, as leaders in the church and shepherds is to bring you to the revelation of Jesus that would transform your life so that you can bring the kingdom to others. The fivefold gifts are there to equip the saints for the work of ministry. In other words, we've had too long of people coming to services for signs, wonders, miracles, and to see God do extraordinary things without realizing that that very treasure has been placed in your heart. That if you would just only believe, you could see God do that through your own life. You know, I'll use myself as an example. I've seen spines straighten up. I've seen thumbs grow out of hands. I've seen muscles develop in legs where guys couldn't stand anymore. I've seen God do extraordinary things, and yet there were still seasons in my life after seeing that where mediocrity settled. And suddenly, I've seen these amazing things, but I went through times where I was so just mundane and normal and tamed and sophisticated. And I'll tell you why. Because if you're looking for a sign or a wonder or something like that to totally revolutionize your life, what it will do is it'll present an invitation to you. But how you actually accept the invitation is by pursuing Jesus in the secret place, cultivating relationship. It is not um, the shepherds or leaders' jobs to make sure that you are living the Christian life. Our job is to make sure that you get the truth. But you are the shepherd, or not the, the shepherd, you are the steward of your own soul. God's the shepherd of your soul, but, but you steward that. And so how we steward time with the Lord, how we begin to cultivate intimacy is important so that we keep the perspective of our lives clear and we know what we're about as the people of God. Because things have changed. And so you have to, you have to realize that we cannot go forward with the mindset we had before 2020. It's a new era. It's a new time. God's changed things. And we have to recognize what's happening around us. Things are intensifying, which means we aren't supposed to be catching up to the intensity of the world. We're supposed to be far ahead. We're, we're supposed to be a people. I mean, you read in Acts 9, when Paul's after the church before uh, Saul, before he gets saved and becomes Paul, the way he describes the church is those belonging to the way. Those belonging to the way, which means they, they were not just a group of people that meet together. They were a different way. They were so abstract to society that they confused unbelievers. You, it makes no sense that you do what you do. Haven't you heard the news? Haven't you heard what's happening? And this is what I love about what God's doing in 24-7. Global lockdown, God says, Build. Because it's the opposite. The reality is for nearly yeah, 15 years, we've been contending to try and build on that land. And it just hasn't happened. And then suddenly global lockdown and God says, go. And everyone's going, but the, the construction industry is closed. And he says, build. Now we've seen favor when, when, the, when the whole country ran out of steel. We didn't. So suddenly, oh, we can't do it. There's no steel. Oh, hold on a second. We got steel for you. That's, this is the kingdom. So he says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Interesting that before this, he starts talking about your needs and the things that you shouldn't worry about. Then he makes that statement, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Then check out what he says. <laughs> Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief appro uh, approaches and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." That is a totally different mindset to what was prior 
um, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. What, what he was explaining before is why would you worry about simple things like what are you going to eat, what are you going to wear, your daily needs, your bills, your, all this kind of stuff. Why would you worry about that? Seek first the kingdom, and I'll add those things to you. It's my good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, because of that, when you understand that, you're the most generous, wild, crazy person who makes no sense to the world, but there's a flow that's happening in your life because you understand the kingdom. If you understood that the kingdom of God gives you access to unlimited resources, how would you live your life? The only reason why we don't is because we don't actually believe it. Because it's a nice idea, but do we allow it to become real in our hearts where we, we, we really believe that he's our father. We really believe that he, Jesus paid everything so that we could come into his kingdom. And we really believe that he's given us the fullness of his kingdom to release on the earth. So if we have unlimited resources, how would we make our decisions? Does the kingdom of God affect how you make decisions in life? That's what seeking first the kingdom means. When you're faced with something, is the thought that's in your mind the kingdom? Or is it what's happening, your needs, your, the stuff you're, you're panicking about? Is he a good father or is he not? Do you see what I'm saying about how we can talk like sons but believe like orphans? Awesome. I hope, I'm trying to smile while I say this so that you're happy and encouraged. Uh, it's interesting. So, you know, we've used these uh, scriptures in the context of money and tithing or whatever, and it's all true, 100%. But it's just interesting to, to look at it through a mindset and a perspective instead about the kingdom. That actually, no matter the situation or circumstance you're in, you are flowing actually with such abundance because of the kingdom of God that you're not afraid to be obedient to the wild things in your life. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's really not complicated. It's just as it is. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Next verse, this one I want to emphasize. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. That's us, man. We want to be a people that are dressed for action. We are living for the kingdom. We're keeping our lamps burning. We're not going cold. Our hearts are not growing cold. I'd encourage you, for the sake of time, I, I probably... Oh, we do have time. Should I? No, you can go and read uh, Matthew 24, and uh, we might go to Matthew 25. But Matthew 24, I'd encourage you to go read that. Just catch a little wake up. Um, I read it yesterday and, and this morning. I was just so stirred by Jesus explaining the end times and not explaining the end times to make us try and analyze events and figure out where we are in that, but realizing how we're called to live as the people of God through the time that we're here on the earth. Amen. Awesome. Um, jump with me to the book of Jude. Uh, let's, this is a great letter. I'd encourage you to read the whole thing. But let's just read from verse 17. It says, But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, In the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Building yourselves up in your most holy faith. 
This is, this is how we steward our souls. Building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Not just praying, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus. This is how we live in the kingdom. We, we remain in His love. We thank Him for His love. We live in that place of His love. We allow the mercy of Jesus to empower us, the grace of God to empower us to do what He's called us to do. You don't have to figure this out. You don't have to have your life all together. You need to yield. You need to yield and you need to receive. Think about this. If, if Jesus says that we're seated with him at the right hand of the Father, if you're seated, you don't, you, how do you get stuff when you're seated? People give it to you and what's your job? Receive. So you can't give or become anything in the Christian life that you haven't received first. So the key to being sons and daughters is learning how to receive. So how do you rest? Well, if you're seated at the right hand of the Father in Jesus, learn to look at the Father and understand what He's giving you and receive it by faith and watch how when you receive it, you have something to give. And so we build ourselves up in our holy faith. We pray in the Holy Spirit. We keep ourselves in the love of God, resting in Him, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And the rest of it's also powerful. <clears throat> Why am I sharing this? I'm saying these things because I'm not really trying to teach you something. I'm not really trying to blow your mind or give you some great message. I'm just trying to stir your hearts. I'm trying to provoke fire in your, in your bellies to realize the moment that we're in and to say, okay, we were born for the kingdom of God. We cannot end 2020 and go into 2021 quiet, tame, sleeping, uh, not fully, fully alert and sensitive to what God's doing at this time. We need to be a people that are hearing. We need to be a people that are receiving. We need to be a people that are awake to the dream of God. See, here's the thing. We're not trying to build the dream of the church. The church, which is actually the ecclesia, it's the people of God, actually are the dream of God to bring about His kingdom. It's His kingdom that He's building. So we were, we were designed as His dream to bring about His kingdom. We weren't designed to come up with our own dream and hope that He'll validate it. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's why the vision of 24-7 church from the beginning has always been transformation of a city. But understanding what that looks like, we went from wanting to build a massive 5,000-seater to suddenly not really caring about what the building looks like for what we meet in, but making sure that it's a community center that reaches people, a place where people can find accommodation and rest and discipleship, a place where they can be trained, a place where people can meet, a place where uh, children and vulnerable women can come and be rescued. Suddenly, it becomes about the kingdom and not so much about the dream of a looking like a successful church. I don't know if you noticed, but we didn't really, uh, our decor was not exactly wild. Um, and we've, done, we've been in fancy, awesome, um, <laughs> really beautiful buildings. You know, honestly, in the week, I walk in here and I'm like, this is like the worst venue I think we've ever been in as a church. And yet, look at what God has done. And I'll tell you why. Because... It's so easy to get taken by that institutional mindset of inside the four walls of the church. And, and I, listen, hear me out. I'm not talking against any local churches because I know I've met so many leaders. They all have the most genuine, sincere hearts. They love the church. It's just that we get so caught up in trying to make something successful that we forget something so simple. And that's that if we have to uh, generate growth, then we have to sustain it. But if it's the growth that God is bringing to the church, He's adding to their number daily, then He will sustain it. And our job is just to be stewards. 
And so we, we, we made a shift as a church not to fight so hard to keep you, but to try and build on the foundations of the revelation of Jesus Christ so that people that are here are here because they're in love with Jesus. People that are here are here because Jesus is here. And when I'm with these people, I'm encouraged and I'm stirred about the kingdom of God and I can't wait to go out there and to see God do amazing things. And so I'm, I'm learning more and more that actually our job when we gather like this is to encourage one another, to speak the truth, to make sure that we all understand with one heart and one mind why we are here. So that when you leave this place, you don't leave here going, that was a lovely service. And Connor said some awesome things, and oh, I just feel good. But then tomorrow, work comes and smashes you in the face, and you're like, what, where is God? Oh, my word, what's happening in my life? I don't even know anymore. And then from Monday to Saturday, as you're just trying to pick yourself up again, you come back to a service, and ah, oh, Connor's so sweet. <laughs> come on, man. You're wild. You don't know it yet, but you're wild. You're dangerously wild in the kingdom. When you start to allow Holy Spirit to fully, fully occupy your life, not just the little areas that you're comfortable with Him, but when He starts to become Lord, you become dangerous. So dangerous that they use titles like those guys that are turning the world upside down again. They've come to our town. That's an act. Those who are turning the world upside down. You've got to be a little bit wild to get stoned outside of, or stoned and dragged out of a city and then come back to life just about all broken and walk back into the same city that stoned you to carry on preaching the gospel. You're wild. You're dangerous. What do you do with a guy like that? No, it's just the truth. And you know what's so funny is, when I talk this stuff, man, I, oof, I get fiery. You know, I'll tell you why. Because we were born for this. You weren't born for nine to five little prisons. Now, I'm not saying don't go and bring the kingdom of God to your workplace, but don't treat it like a prison that's tamed you and made you sophisticated. Don't get so sophisticated that you lose the raw fire of the gospel. See, I think we're coming back to the simple things. I think what people need right now is not sermons that blow their mind and, wow, that was really profound. I think what we need is the substance of the gospel that grabs a hold of your life and says, you actually can't move from this until you let me form in you what I designed from the beginning. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And when that starts to happen, man, you, everywhere that you go, you start to see opportunities to bring the kingdom of heaven. And that's when the supernatural becomes normal. That's your expectation. And that's attractive to people because, you see, we forget this. Every single person on this planet was born to know God. There is a space inside of every single person that only God can fill. And the world is trying so hard to fill a space that they can't fill because it's, it's, it looks like Jesus. And so we go, oh, I'm a bit nervous if I do those things. I know the, the feeling. I'm a bit nervous to step out and do these things. What, what will people think? Well, you're carrying the very thing that they're missing, that they're looking for. And even if they shout at you and spit at you in the face or whatever, the reality is watch. Watch. You stay faithful in representing Jesus. You stay faithful in letting Christ in you, the hope of glory, just be released. The fragrance of Jesus released everywhere that we go. Watch the fruit begin to come. How many of you would love it? If you laid hands on somebody and they got healed. No, seriously, put your hands up. If you, right? So, there's, so everybody in this room is attracted to that. And you were born for it. You were born for it. There's no reason why you cannot walk in that. It's just believe. And that's, I'm using just healing as an example, but it's the same thing, whether it's provision, whether it's 
whatever it is in your workplace, the divine strategies for what you've got to do, that you can be so far ahead of what other people are doing. Why? Because I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. So I face situations and I'm not looking for strategies just to make my business better. I'm looking for strategies to manifest the kingdom realm so that people look at you and go, that is out of this world. Whether you're a street sweeper or a CEO of some massive company, this is how we can live. So my, why am I saying this? I'm saying this because December should be a time where we're starting to get really stirred. Because we have to look at 2020 and go, okay, thank you, Lord. We learned some things. Whew, bit of shaking. It was pretty intense. Some, some close calls. You know, let's be honest and real. We don't have to pretend. There was some scary stuff. But what is God saying and what is he doing? And let's, in this moment, not just uh, look at what the world's doing and not see what God's doing. Let's forget those things. Look at what the Father's saying over the bride and realize that this is his dream and God's going to do it. He's going to finish what he started. I just, I don't want to sit back and when Jesus comes go, whew, it was quite a show watching you do what you wanted to do. No, I want to be the pen that he writes history with. That's what we're called to be as the bride. So if we change our mentality from service mentality to bride mentality, then this here is such a small part of who you actually are as a Christian. This here is that part where you just get lit. You come here and it's like, oh, yes, boy, yeah. This is where, this is where you, you, the fire is being... You, the, Together, we're just blowing on the fires in our hearts. We're breathing on each other, the, the life, not, not keep your mask on, um, but breathing on each other and, and the, the Spirit of God and saying, come on. And when somebody is, has lost sight of who they are, we as the bride are picking them up and speaking life and truth over them, showing them this is who you are. This is what God's called you to do. Burn for Jesus. We don't have time to, to do other stuff. We have to burn for Jesus. I'd, I'd rather be a significant, powerful, dynamic little community of 50 people that are living kingdom than be thousands of people that are sitting in a room professing to believe something but aren't walking in the reality of what they were born for. And I put my own hand up as a leader on behalf of leaders to say, God is he's changing something in the shepherds of the church where he's awakening us to the dream of God, not to the dream of successful church, the dream of God, which is a successful church, but for kingdom purposes, where success isn't measured by bums on seats. Success is measured by transformation. Because God, see, this is the beautiful thing. I could talk about this all day. I'm going to stop myself just now, but this is the beautiful thing. What Jesus has done for you wasn't so that you could continue your normal life with a twist of Christianity. And it's just a good question to ask sometimes. Are we, are we living our lives normal like everybody else with a twist of Christianity? Or have we met the King of glory? Have we looked into those eyes of fire? Have we received the Spirit of Christ inside of us that is changing who we are? And now everything about us is new and different and the way we view life suddenly Life in this world has come alive. Why has it come alive? Because I'm seeing opportunities to bring the power of the kingdom. I'm not looking at all the hopelessness. Christ in me, the hope of glory. I see opportunities to bring hope. Something happens in us. Now, here's what I, I want to say is we've got to be careful. Like I said earlier, the presence of the Lord will change everything about you. Don't get comfortable by boxing Jesus and Holy Spirit because he doesn't get boxed. You think you've boxed him there. He's not there. He wants all or nothing. So what we do in our lives is we end up I'm okay with this, Lord. 
I'm okay with you doing this in my life. But hey, actually, there's some other areas that I don't want you to speak into. I don't want you to touch those areas because it's actually a little bit uncomfortable if you're going to change those things. See, we've, be- we've-, we've become so afraid of conviction that we forget that it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit that leads us into repentance and change. It's-, it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit that brings life because He never convicts you unto guilt, shame, and condemnation. He convicts you unto His righteousness. He convicts you to show you this is who you are. You're not that. You're this. So if we begin to see conviction with a kingdom perspective, we begin to realize, we begin to get excited about how Holy Spirit speaks to us and says, you see that? Let me show you who you are. Breathe in that area, transformation. You don't have to change yourself. You need to yield. So you go, how am I, how, why is it that I come to church, I encounter God, I feel His presence, it's wild, it's amazing, but I'm still stuck in the same things, I'm still struggling with the same addictions, I'm still making the same mistakes. Stop beating yourself up about it and start yielding to the Holy Spirit and saying, Lord, tell me what you say about these things. Instead of running away from those things, in the midst of that, allow the Spirit of God to break into that and transform you. Because he's not looking at you and going, I can't look at that. That's disgusting. Why? Oh my gosh. He's not doing that. He wants to come into the midst of the things that haven't been touched or changed or transformed. He wants to be in that moment with you and say, let me show you who you are in me. Let me minister the blood of Jesus to your life. So what happens is you start to see a people, when we talk about being a people of his presence, we're transformed. We look like heaven. We look like Jesus. It starts here in my own life, in my own heart. I'm stewarding my soul. I'm cultivating intimacy with God. It's the highest call of my life to know Him, that God, God, let me just remind you, God, everyone knows what God means? God, creator of all things, has chosen to make His resting place, His dwelling place inside of you, not just so that He can have a little peace, but so that He can fully possess a people, that He can fully uh, rest and dwell in us, that He can use us for His glory, that we don't just become a body that functions, which is a beautiful thing, but we carry the heart of a bride. We've fallen in love with Jesus. And one day, hear me, one day you will stand before him. I mean it. One day you will stand before the king of glory and I want to look him in the eyes and I want to see the reflection of what he paid for. I don't want to stand before Jesus one day and say, well, it was really tough. You have no idea because it just won't stand. You want to know tough? Do you want to know what pain and difficulties and you want to know what a, what a real price is? That's what he did for us. Jesus didn't pay all of that only to make it difficult for you to live the life he called you to. It's not difficult. It's a choice. You have the strength to believe. You have the strength through the Holy Spirit to choose to believe. It's a lie to say that I just, I'm struggling to keep my faith. What are you talking about? You have the Spirit of Jesus inside of you. Get your hopes up. We're going to stand before Jesus one day and I want to stand before him and hear him say, not only well done, good and faithful servant, but I want him to look and go, it's a bride for my glory. That's what I paid for. Hey, I love Jesus. Come on. So maybe you're here today and you have no idea what I'm talking about. That's okay. You just need to meet Jesus. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're going, this is amazing. I can feel the presence of God in the room, but inside I'm empty. 
then I'm inviting you. I'm saying, don't be those people who sit inside of church buildings but never, ever meet the Lord. Maybe you've been in church for 20, 30, 40 years. Maybe you've been in church for three weeks. But it breaks my heart, and we are are intentionally going after this. It breaks my heart that people can sit in church meetings but never actually yield and surrender to Jesus as Lord and Savior. Because what we've done is we've used this word accept, which you won't find in the word. Will you accept Jesus into your heart? You don't accept Jesus. You die, and you come alive in him, and he becomes Lord and Savior. Everything. It's the gospel. Because this isn't a Jesus-incorporated experience. This is the kingdom of heaven. So, maybe you're in that space where you're going, I, I, I'm empty. I'm not, I'm not talking about if you're in a difficult situation. Don't come at me and say, I'm not sure if I'm saved, if I know you're saved, if you've been here for a long time, whatever. I'm talking about if you're sitting here and you know like you know, I do not know him. I don't know him. I want to encourage you. You don't have to do it now. After the service, come. Come talk to me. Let's, let's go after Jesus. Let's encounter Jesus. I'm not after you saying a prayer. I'm after you meeting the King of glory. I know it's December, and this is quite a, an intense thing to, to share and preach. But there's a reason for this because we, we can't, like I said earlier, we can't pretend. We're not going to pretend, right? No one's here to pretend. You didn't come here just to hear something that makes you feel good. You came for the truth, right? So let's just go after the truth because as the people of God, we're, we're coming into probably, probably the most significant and powerful era in history for the church. We're the greatest harvest the world's ever seen. And... The church is the vehicle for the kingdom of God. It's, it's what God designed to introduce and bring the kingdom of God. So it was never meant to be, this is, this is the, the change that's happening. It was never meant to be, my job is to go and find people and bring them to a service so that they encounter Jesus. That's not your job. Your job is to carry the life of Jesus. It's to be a son and a daughter. And that every person that comes into contact with you is going to meet the king of glory. And then... They get to come and be a part of a family where as a corporate body, we begin to look like him and where the world can look at a movement of God on the earth and say, oh my word, that's heaven. And so this is gonna happen here in your own heart, in your own family, in your own life. It's gonna happen in our city. It's gonna happen in our nation and to the ends of the earth. So I I feel in my spirit today, I didn't plan on going this like intense, but... But I feel such a a stirring in my heart for those that would yield, for those that would say yes, for the fire of the gospel to come on you in a fresh way, that when you leave here today, you leave knowing who you are and what you're called to, not looking for somebody to live your Christian life for you, but taking ownership of what God has given you and what he's called you to be, stewarding your heart allowing Holy Spirit to cultivate the faith of Jesus in your heart, that you'll believe with a faith you never knew you you could have. And I believe Holy Spirit will will do that. He will minister to your heart. He will release the fire of the gospel in you and on you and upon you. It's, It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, essentially. It's not just, you see, I love, Bill Johnson says this. He says, the Holy Spirit is in you for you, but he's upon you for others. And I think so often we're stuck around just having the Holy Spirit in us, which is so beautiful, But what it ends up producing if we just stay there is what the Holy Spirit can do for me. But we forget that 
that's a beautiful thing, but it's one half of what, what's actually happening. He wants to come upon you, and He wants to touch people around you. You know, um, I'll just touch on this, and then we'll end. Maybe you're sitting here, and you're like, hey, dude, I'm an introvert. I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> I grew up an introvert. I grew up as an introvert. I was very shy, could not handle... I mean, my grandparents and I was a shy boy. Then things happened to me, and my mechanism of defense was to get loud. That's how I just protected myself. So I went from introvert to extrovert because of an experience. So what that showed me was none of those things actually defined who I was. Both of them were based on experience. And then I realized that Jesus didn't come and say, okay, preach the gospel, go and lay hands on the sick, except for the introverts, you guys get to stay here with me and we'll just have cute little cuddle times and then we'll just send, come on. See, here's the thing is when you gave your life to Jesus, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, it died and the love of God filled you and you are called to express Jesus in a way that only you can. And so it doesn't have to look like anybody else, it's just you and Christ in you, the hope of glory. That might not look like so-and-so standing on the top of a table and screaming at a shopping mall. <laughs> it might look like just everywhere that you go, just having the boldness to listen to the Holy Spirit and minister to people and bless people and have conversations with people and pray for that person at work. You hear what I'm saying? So today, it's like the Lord's setting you free and He's saying, welcome to the kingdom. He's setting you free and He's saying, come into the kingdom realm. Come into life in Jesus and I, I, I want to encourage you, everything I'm sharing with you today, this is what God's been stirring in my heart over and over again because it's, it can be here in your head, but it needs to come from your heart. We need to have a heart transplant where God gives us His heart, His dream. I'm so encouraged by the young people in this church who have allowed God to crucify their dream and birth His inside of them. It's wild because what you often find is it was in you all along, you just didn't know. And when I say crucified your dream, I'm not saying that God doesn't give you dreams that he wants to you know, fulfill. But sometimes we go off down journeys that we think is what God's called us to do. And then suddenly we realize there's no fulfillment or satisfaction in those things. And God brings you back to what you were born for. And suddenly you find purpose for living. And it's been an amazing thing to see God do that. Not just in young people, but I just know specific guys I've had those conversations with. But for all of us, it's the dream of God, a bride for His glory. That's what we call to. So will you stand with me? That went very different than I thought, um, but that's okay.